Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4, where we're going to conclude the uh, the takeover episodes. Uh, so right now, I'm still on a bit of a hiatus, but for the last episode, joining me is Jay from Jay Movie Talk. How you doing, Jay? Hey, Peter, what's up? Thanks for... You know, let me uh, take over your show. Well, thank you for accepting the invite to do so. Uh, for those that uh, are regular listeners of this show, they heard you on the uh, Angels uh, in the Outfield, right? We we did that uh, review. And let me see, you also joined me on Original Remake, uh, reviewing and comparing the um, Superman 2 and the Superman 2 Richard Donner cut. Is that all we've done? I feel like we've did more than that. Uh, on your show, yeah, those, yeah, yeah, on your show. But you joined me on an episode of my show where we were, um, we covered uh, the Getaway, nineteen seventy-two, the Getaway, the Getaway, and yeah. also there's another one, St- Street of Fire, Street of Desire, yeah, 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 and Streets of Fire. That's right, yeah, Streets of Fire. There we go, yeah. that one too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, for this one, you reviewed a horror movie. Um. It, it, okay, it's yeah, it's horror-ish, but I would say it's more a sci-fi and probably more of a social commentary movie. Okay, how did you go about uh, deciding uh, or picking this movie um, for this review? Well, okay, because I know how you are. You're someone who, I mean, you love the '80s just like I do, and mm-hmm. I was thinking like, okay, I want to do something a little different, and. The movie I'm talking about, of course, is They Live, um, John Carpenter's They Live, which is in a way a it's almost satire. But at the same time, it's very serious in tone. And the social commentary in that movie is just off the charts. And it, even though it came out in 1988, it's very true to today's time. So that's kind of how I came about with picking this movie to uh, review. Okay. For those that uh, have not checked out your show yet, can you talk a little bit about it and, um, you know, maybe some of the movies that you've covered? Well, um, like you said in the opener, um, I host uh, my own pod- movie podcast, uh, Jay's Movie Talk, um, which is basically me where I started reviewing movies and different types of movies. Um, here in recent, the like, last couple of episodes that I did I um basically was doing a couple of horror movies. I did um Piranha, um also did um a director series where I kinda picked a couple of directors and went through, you know, a couple of their films. That's how you ended up on the Streets of Fire um episode because I uh, reviewed um what's his name? Uh, Walter Hill um filmed a couple of his movies, um The Warriors Streets of Fire and Extreme Prejudice. And then like before that, I did the um, Sam Peckinpah movies where I reviewed a couple of his movies, which you happen to be on the getaway for that one. And along with that one, I did, um, like I say, besides the getaway, it was Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia and The Wild Bunch. So those are the type of movies I've done. But going forward, I'm going to be doing a couple other things also. Uh, as far as direct the series, and then October is going to be crazy with nothing but a lot of horror stuff. So, let's like say it's different things. I kind of just 
you know, pick out different types of movies that I want to review or whatnot. And if it's something I think that, you know, other podcasts have have not really talked about anything, I was like, okay, well, I'll do this one then. You know, it just kind of brings something new and different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and just a little inside baseball here. Uh, at the time of this recording, uh, it's still early September 2016. Uh, in a couple of weeks here, we're going to get the uh, the remake of The uh, Magnificent Seven and um you and i will be doing a review of young guns for the release of that movie uh to kind of you know tie it in with the uh, the whole western uh genre so uh so if you're listening to this you know close to the uh, you know september ish look out for young guns and uh, you'll be featuring you'll be featured in that episode yes and i'm looking forward to that and it may be a little talk about young guns too um maybe Maybe know. we'll see if I can fit in a watching of Young Guns too, and and maybe we'll do that too. So a, as of right now, only part one uh, is is uh, is on the schedule. So if, if you know if you if you want to throw in some tidbits of part two during that review, um, you know we can do that. But you know we'll we'll, we'll see we'll see. I'll, I'll consider for sure uh, doing Young Guns too as well. Okay, sounds good. All right. So without further ado, this is Jay's coverage of They Live. Jay Giles from Jay's Movie Talk is taking over Hydra Level 4 Podcast, and you can't teach that. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special takeover episode of Hydrate Level 4, and I am not Peter. I'm actually your host for the day, Jay Giles from Jay Movie Talk, and I'm here because of the fact that Peter decided to take a extended vacation and he's off somewhere in the world. I think he's somewhere on an island somewhere soaking up some sun and stuff like that, you know, just living it up because, you know, he got it like that. Um, So I decided to kind of come in, you know, take over, you know, sit down behind the throne, if you will, and decide to do an episode on his podcast so it's going to be our little secret that i'm doing this episode okay but uh what i'm here to talk about is john carpenter's 1988 cult classic they live Um, John Carpenter is one of my favorite movie directors, writer directors, if you will. Um, I'm a huge fan of his, uh, pretty much like all of his movies that came out, um, starting with uh, Assault on Precinct 13, the original, um, and basically everything that he did like in a 10 year period from 1978 up until 1988. I mean, Halloween, the, the thing, the fog. Escape from New York, uh, Christine, Big Trouble in Little China, the movie that I'm going to talk to you guys about on this episode, They Live. I mean, I'm just, I love all of these movies. And then when it came around to the 90s, you know, he kind of started tailing off and I blame uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man for that. But that's just my opinion. But um i digress i'm not going to spend too much time going through his filmography because i could do that all day but what i am going to do is talk about they live 
which is in my opinion one of the most important movies um you know basically that was ever made in my opinion i mean even though the movie is somewhat satire in a sense but when you really look at it it's like wow he this movie was ahead of his time john carpenter was ahead of his time in my opinion but uh before i get into the movie i just want to do a um give a synopsis for anyone who doesn't know anything about the movie has never seen the movie so if you if you haven't seen the movie i kind of recommend you to definitely check this movie out i'm going to say that straight off the bat you definitely have to check this movie out but uh as far as what this movie is about a drifter discovers a pair of sunglasses that allow him to wake up to the fact that aliens have taken over the earth um I mean, it's kind of a simple synopsis, and that almost from that basis, it sounds kind of hokey in a sense. But hopefully, when I talk more about this movie, um, you will get a better sense for it, especially for anyone who's listening to this episode who's never seen They Live. Uh, but before I actually get into the movie once again, I just want to give a you know just kind of name some of the main actors that was in this movie. Uh, you have former wrestler well he was still a current wrestler at the time and recently passed away of rowdy roddy piper in the lead role as nada which i'll kind of go into that more later as far as his name in that regard um it also stars keith david as frank meg foster as holly george buckflower as drifter peter jason as gilbert raymond st Jacquez as the street preacher and those are pretty much your main that's your main cast for this movie um the movie opens in a very western type of style and mainly it opens similar to the opening of one of my favorite movies and it's one of uh john carpenter's inspirations as far as west because he was a huge western fan uh, the movie once upon a time in the west and what i mean by that is you get the music that plays uh it's playing is kind of like a bluesy type of sound to it and we're getting like a you know kind of seeing around the city or whatnot and there's a train passing by and in the midst of the train is passing by uh you see roddy piper character he's walking along coming towards you coming towards the camera in a sense walking along this train track from what i um heard and read about this is that um john carpenter he modeled that scene after the opening scene in once upon a time in the west when charles bronson uh shows up um getting off the train and the three gunmen are there waiting for him um so similar to like john carpenter i'm a huge western fan so seeing that scene always gives me is i don't know i just always kind of like oh i just get a joy out of watching that scene for some reason but um going further into it so we are introduced we're introduced to roddy piper's character and his name is nada but it's basically no name in a sense he doesn't have a name he's a man with no name in this movie essentially and he's a drifter he's obviously been drifting for a while he has a big bag or whatnot and he comes into town and we it, it looks like it's somewhere in california but it's never really said exactly where they are but just from how it looks or whatnot you assume that it's in california and he's looking for work and he's having a hard time trying to find a job he goes to a um to like a work agency or whatnot and he's looking for work and 
he's explaining to the woman that he's been out of work but he's looking for something and the lady she basically doesn't care or whatnot that fact that he doesn't have a job or anything like that and she just says oh well we don't have anything so he's kind of wandering around the city and he you see like in different shops where um back in the day where like tvs would be showing you know different programs and stuff like that he stops he takes a look at it and whatnot and he keeps on and we're introduced to the street preacher they use their tongues to deceive the venom of snakes is under their lips their mouths are full of bitterness and curses and in their paths nothing but ruin and misery and the fear of god is not before their eyes they have taken the hearts and minds of our leaders they have recruited the rich and the powerful and they have blinded us to the truth. And our human spirit is corrupted. Why do we worship greed? Because outside the limit of our sight, feeding off us, perched on top of us from birth to death, are our owners. Our owners. They have us. They control us. They are our masters. Wake up. They're all about you. All around you. Even though he's a blind man, he actually is probably the one who sees the most because of the fact that his, he's blind to what is what is what we see and the reality of what's going on. But he can see in the sense that his other senses are very awake in of what's going on around him. But and there's a couple of people standing around watching this and uh, Roddy Piper's character is one of them and the cops show up and they take him away. And so Roddy Piper, he's still wandering around and he comes across this uh, work site or whatnot. And he's he talks to the foreman or whatnot and trying to get work or whatnot. And the guy, he hires him and tell him, yeah, you can you can work here or whatnot and stuff like that. But after the day is over, he um, he's sitting and he's resting. And of course, the guy comes to him is real nasty and saying, hey, you can't you can't sleep on this site. You better find somewhere to go. And this is where he meets uh, Frank played by Keith David for the first time and he comes over and kind of befriends him and say hey I, if you need a place to stay I know I know somewhere where you can go and you can stay because this is where he's staying and it's almost like a um, it's not it's not a halfway house because most of the people they, they live outside in a sense but it's more of like a camp a community of people that are kind of down in their luck probably lost their jobs or whatnot they're they're considered uh, i think the correct word for it is they're like working homeless in a sense they they have jobs but they just don't have a place to live in a sense so they kind of banded together and become like a small community of themselves in a sense that they trying to help each other along and this is where they meet uh peter jason's character of gilbert who basically runs the the little community that uh everyone lives in here and through the course of all that they you know um frank and roddy piper they they kind of befriend each other and have a little dialogue you get to know that frank has a family back home in detroit a wife and two kids and he's just working to try to get back to them and everything like this so you, you kind of get a little backstory with him you never get any backstory as far as um the character that roddy piper plays because he's essentially is no one he's basically in a way you could say that he is the audience he's the He's the connection through the audience in a way, um, and with with the way the movie plays and how you basically see the movie through his eyes, in a sense. Um, I actually like the relationship 
uh, that Roddy Piper and Keith David had. I mean, they they start out as friends, and then later on, they kind of become adversaries. But then, toward the end, they you know they get back together, they team up, and you know because they have to you know stop what's going on. But um, one thing that I want to talk about too is that the social commentary in this movie, like I said a little earlier, is very you want to I want to say is very eerie in a sense of how accurate it is as far as how uh, consumerism has basically you know taken over to the point of where we you know anytime a new product or something we just have to go get it whatever it is is whether it's TVs uh, cell phones video games anything entertainment related i mean just like this the latest app for the that pokemon go seemed like everybody just had to get this in the way it is mass marketed to everyone this movie kind of hits hits it on the head when it comes to that type of behavior and how we actually as people you know we just have to like whatever the new thing is we just have to have to get it and this movie hits it on the head in the sense that what we see at face value there's hidden messages behind it and that's where the sunglasses come into play because at a certain point in the movie Roddy Piper he stumbles upon the fact that Gilbert is actually um, working with this secret organization you could almost say that they're similar to Anonymous what we you know the, the group that's around now you could almost say it's like that in a sense where they hack in and they uh hack in on live uh tv feeds and they might get their message out like maybe a few seconds at a time but then it's quickly you know taken away or whatnot like that but Roddy Piper stumbles upon the fact that Gilbert is you know part of the uh organization that is trying to wake up the masses in a sense and they have made these sunglasses but it's never explained exactly how these sunglasses were made it's just there's a box of sunglasses and Roddy Piper character he comes upon them by chance and he gets a pair and he starts walking around the street and he puts them on and then he, when he puts them on you see the world in black and white but not only are you seeing the world in black and white you're seeing the hidden messages behind all the advertisement as far as the billboards um, there's some that say uh, reproduce there's some that says uh, consume and obey and you know various different things it's just one it's just one word for on these billboards and these magazines and stuff like that but when you look at them you see pictures of of uh, different things like that and I thought it was very interesting you know interesting and very good the way that played out where where we see things at face value, they and then the one word objectives of obey, consume, um, you know, stuff like that. I thought it was very good how they did that. And in the black and white scenes almost looked like something from the nineteen uh, fifties when when looking at it. And of course this freaks out uh Roddy Piper because he's seen the world basically for the first time in its true form in a sense. It, in a way you could say that uh, kind of like uh, Neo in the Matrix when you know he wakes up, you know, to the real world, and he's because he's born again, and so he's born in the real world, and he's seeing everything the way it truly is in a way. You could say there's a little similarity to that in a way as well. So 
like I said, uh, Ryder Piper's character, he basically freaks out and this is all brand new to him and he starts to panic. And through the course of all of this, uh, he meets uh, Holly, played by Meg Foster, who, I mean, the, the woman has some of the most incredible eyes that you would ever see. Um, and they're her real eyes, too, um, which is it always baffled me. I always thought her eyes were fake, but then I realized, no, they're real. Those are her real eyes. Um, and he meets her and he actually holds her at holds her hostage in a sense um and forces her to get him out of harm's way because he had got into it with a couple of cops who happen to be aliens which he finds out that there's actually people that are not really people they're actually aliens or whatnot and two cops show up and he gets into it with them who are actually aliens and he kills them and of course you know the cops you know of course they come out of the woodwork he needs to get out he comes across um holly and he holds her hostage and she takes him to her to her home and one thing about this is that when when they get there he is very he, he gets very weak in the sense that he's been seeing he's finally seeing the world for how it truly is that he is giving him migraines giving him headaches and stuff like that because it's like he's he's coming out of his slumber out of his sleepness to the fact that the world as he knew it is actually a farce it's not real so he's kind of getting his composure and whatnot and through the process of, through the process of this and one of the funny it, i mean it's kind of a dark comedy in a sense because there's a lot of funny stuff in this movie that really should not be funny but in the process of this um holly is make is, is getting a drink and he tells her to turn on the tv and he gets up and because she has a champagne bottle in her hand she spins around she hits him with this champagne bottle he flies through her window and she's like up on a hill where she lives he crashes through the window he flips and tumbles down this hill and how he manages to get up and walk away from that i have no idea but you, you have to see it to really understand it and is like i say i find myself laughing at that scene quite a bit because it's like there's no way in hell he would have been able to get up from you know taking a fall like that well let alone he was hitting the head with a champagne bottle so that alone should have knocked him out but then he takes that crazy tumble down his heel and then he he gets up and stumbles away so after that he basically he he's like he's disoriented and whatnot and he goes back and he's looking for he's trying to find out what happened at the uh camp because um what i failed to mention a little earlier too the camp where the little community was was raided by the cops or whatnot and quite a bit of people was killed everyone kind of got scattered or whatnot so he goes back there and the place is in shambles and everything he's looking around i think he's looking for frank he's trying to find some sense of okay is anybody around that can possibly give him answers to what's been going on and what he's been witnessing so he doesn't find anything but he know that there was a last box of sunglasses and he remembered where he had stashed them and he goes to get them and unfortunately they because he stashed them in a garbage can and all the trash or whatnot and they get it and he managed to save one pair of glasses so he's looking for frank and frank comes upon and says yo one week's pay the best I can do. 
better find yourself someplace to hide and keep praying nobody ever finds you. Try these on. Look, you crazy mother. Put these on. Hey! Stay away from me. I'm telling you, you dumb son of a... I'm trying to save you and your family's life. You couldn't even save your own! Two of them get into this crazy... A fight in this alley and it's probably one of the most highlighted scenes of the movie is the alley fight between these two and it goes on for almost seven minutes but one thing that I noticed about that fight scene is that there's a bigger message to this fight scene and at face value once again like this movie at face value when you look at the fight scene it's just oh it's an it's a interesting fight scene two guys beating the hell out of each other in the alley but when you really break down what that fight scene is about you have Roddy Piper's character who's fighting to show Frank the truth and Frank is basically fighting to I don't want to I don't want to know the truth I don't want to I don't want to wake up to see what you see I don't want I want to stay in my slumber and when you think about it there's a lot of people in in real life who who kind of you know do that or whatnot they when you try to explain certain things to people sometimes they do not want to see things the way they truly are everyone will kind of make up their own you know interpretation of something and will see things differently or whatnot but i always thought that that fight scene was a very good representation of what the movie was about it sums up that fight scene in a way sums up what the movie is about and sometimes what our society is in a sense where there's always you always have someone who's fighting for and someone who's fighting against. But in the midst of the fight scene, like I say, which goes on way too long and whatnot, um, Frank actually ends up losing the fight and Roddy Piper puts the glasses on him and he starts to see the world the way that Roddy Piper is seeing the world. And well, I also failed to mention too that this scene was spoofed in episode of South Park and it was for the cripple fight and it was between uh timmy and jimmy and like i say they the way they did it on south park is almost shot for shot that fight scene too um and so that's one reason why i can't take the fight scenes seriously anymore after seeing it get spoofed on south park but now that uh frank is seeing the world the way that uh roddy piper character is seeing they decide okay we got to do something about this. We have to make a stand. But how can we do this? We don't. We don't know anything that's going on. We don't know. We don't know where Gilbert is because Gilbert he disappeared during the whole uh, raid or whatnot and everything. But by chance, um, Gilbert ends up finding uh, Roddy Piper and Frank, and he recruits them in to helping them. Um, to you know, we're gonna go to the main. We're gonna go to the television station because we have to break their connection to spreading, you know, their um, their message or whatnot. We so the TV station is where they have to go. And through the course of all of this, um, they basically, you know, they they get there or whatnot, and it's almost like a suicide mission in a sense because they know that once they get in there, it's gonna be hell. Even if they succeed. There's no way they can get out. So in a sense, it's almost like a suicide mission. And we were reintroduced to Meg Foster's character again. And for some reason, Roddy Piper, even though what happened with her the first time that he saw her, where she tried to kill him in a sense, um, 
he for some reason has this connection to her it's like he wants to try to save her he feels that you know she's the only connection that he's ever he's had he probably hasn't been around a lot of people and have a connection to them for for a long time but he has a connection to her and he wants to you know protect her or whatnot but not realizing and this is kind of a little spoilery she actually even though she's not she's not an alien but she works with the aliens because there's a lot of people in the movie that are human that work for the aliens work for the masters in a sense because that's kind of spoken in the movie about the aliens in the movie are actually our owners and they're we're like they're slaves in a sense and there's some people that actually work for them and a perfect example of that is the character that um george buck flower play the drifter he he starts out as someone who's just you know he just like a world weary old guy you know kind of orny or whatnot and he doesn't care he gets captured and then when we see him later on in the movie he's in nice suits and everything he has champagne and he tries to recruit uh roddy piper and keep david care they tell him come on boys come on our side you we're on the winning side just come and join us or whatnot you know type of deal and of course they don't fall for it so um uh kind of going into the end or whatnot um they actually well actually no i won't go into the end because you, you have to see it i don't want to give i don't want to be too spoilery for this movie it's one of those movies you just ha kind of have to watch or whatnot um but I will uh, talk about the music. Um, the music that plays in this movie, once again, anyone who's watched any John Carpenter movies or whatnot, know that Carpenter does, for the most part, his own his own scores or whatnot. And even though they're kind of simple in a sense, but they fit the, they make the, they set the tone and they create an atmosphere for what you're going to witness in this movie. And the music for this movie, like I said, is one of, one of my favorites too even though it's kind of simple and whatnot but it's very once again reminiscent of the music the harmonica music from once upon in the west and something i found out that john carpenter said that all of his movies are basically westerns in a sense and when you think about it for the most part you can see it with this movie you can kind of see it um especially with the connection that it has to once upon a time in the west um Assault on Precinct 13 is basically a remake of Rio Bravo. Um, I haven't been able to place exactly what type of Western Halloween is yet. I mean, I'm assuming that um, Dr. Loomis is like a supposed to be like a sheriff or something like that um, or whatnot. But I still can't place that. Um, still trying to figure that one out. But uh, Big Trouble in Little China, you can you can see the the Western type of feel to it or whatnot um but as far as this movie goes um i like i said i highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it and you know and stuff like that because like i said it's one of those movies that you just have to watch uh when it came out of course it really i think it went over a lot of people's heads in a sense and i don't think a lot of people was really open to the fact of watching this movie at that time back in that 80s or whatnot because Carpenter was making that movie more so in in somewhat of a protest to the Reagan era of of government and everything like that but it's funny watching that movie that's almost 30 years old but it's more relevant and more prominent to what's going on today 
in a sense. So a movie that's almost 30 years old was actually ahead of its time because if it came out, but at the same time, I don't think this movie could have came out now because if it came out now, it probably got the same reaction where people probably wouldn't have been as receptive. I mean, of course, you know, movie fans, you know, who really watch a lot of movies or whatnot. Yeah, it would have been like a cult classic, but I don't think it would have been a huge hit because back at that time, it wasn't a huge hit or whatnot. But um, as far as, because uh, I always like to do a thing where I, in my episodes where I give ratings and uh, favorite characters. So favorite character would have to probably be Roddy Piper's character. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, he is the main character. Um, Roddy Piper, who was a wrestler, um, was a very well-known wrestler or whatnot. This was his first movie, and it's his best movie. Uh, he did a very good job in it. Um, is probably outside of being a wrestler i think this is where people know him the most from they live um and like i say he passed away uh last year um in august i believe it was august of last year i think it was i think it was that um as far as my rating i because i always do it like a one to five as far as my rating and if i have to rate this movie i would probably say that i would put it in like a four four and a half i mean it's not a perfect movie i mean i don't think there's too many perfect movies but i would say this is almost a sheer perfect movie especially coming from the social commentary aspect of the movie and how it is presented and how it relates to real issues that we face um going on or whatnot uh so that's basically how i feel about it um i want to thank you guys for listening to this episode and like i say i just wanted to kind of sneak in here and take over peter's show or whatnot um so whenever he decides to return from his vacation which i think i think he i think he's in you know, like I said, he's on some island somewhere. I don't know exactly where. So whenever he decides to show back up to Hydrate Level 4 and take over, or maybe or maybe he doesn't have to come back. You know, uh, from what I heard, um, you know, he's actually paying, you know, uh, people are getting payment for this. So, so Peter, um, I expect the uh, my check in the mail for at least um, at least 500. Um, you know, I'm not cheap, but I, but I can't be had. So, um you know, just uh, make sure that check uh, comes in the mail or whatnot. But um, for anyone who, you know, want to check out my show or whatnot, you can um, follow me on uh, Twitter at uh, JMovieTalk. Um, that's where my podcast is on Twitter. Um, you can also check out my personal um, Twitter handle. That's at the J Giles. Find me there. Um, as far as my episodes, you can follow, find, um, find my episodes on soundcloud itunes stitcher um there i have them linked to my um bio on uh, j movie talk um and you can just click that link and it will take you to all to my playlist for all my episodes and also i want to give a shout out to my co-host from my other shows that i do which is uh, the keaton j show and we talk nxt uh um 
Miss Keita Hubbard, who is actually the one who did the intro and outro for this episode. So I just want to give her a shout out and thank you for doing that. I know it was a last minute thing that um, I asked you to do, but because, you know, I'm your number one guy or whatnot, you know, so I appreciate you for doing that. And I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. And like I said, Peter, um, I'm expecting that check in the mail. So, um, I don't know. Maybe this episode will be held hostage until I get my check or something, you know, but uh, thank you guys for listening and I will catch you guys. I won't say next time I will say I will see you guys later. So peace. Thank you for listening to Jay Jow's Taking Over Hydro Level 4 Podcast. He will be back when Peter decides to take another vacation. Hopefully soon.